Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Eat shit, Bob. Hey. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, October 11, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. What's up? I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 630 of the Biden-Harris administration, 27 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram, TheBobSeska, Twitter, BobSeska underscore go, and our Patreon page is BobSeskaShow.com. Plus, you can follow Buzz Burbank at Michael J. Elston on Twitter, and look at him. He's sitting right over there, the birthday boy. You said I did what? You said it all. Hi, how are you? I, I thought I blew out all the candles. <laughs> Man. Welcome, Mr. 69. How are you? <laughs> Trying to clear the smoke out from All the birthday right. candles. Uh, uh, hi, hi, everybody. Uh, he's Bob. I'm Buzz. And we're winners of the Nobel Prize for podcasting. <laughs> they give out those? I didn't you know didn't that. No, you didn't know that. Wow. Did you? And if we terminate today's show prematurely, remember, Herschel Walker paid for it. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I did turn 69 over the weekend, so I'm no longer telling dad jokes. These are now granddad jokes. People ask me, they say, Buzz, when are you going to retire? And I tell them, who says I haven't? Uh, Georgia prosecutors, let's go back to the news. Georgia prosecutors are having some, uh, some difficulty scheduling testimony from Lindsey Graham. Yes. Uh, because they've caught him uh, right between fat bear week and leaf peeping season. <laughs> Bonus points for leaf peeping. Hey, a new version of the musical 1776 has opened on Broadway, uh-huh. and the cast features a women and trans and non-binary performers. But how is this new? I mean, the Founding Fathers wore stockings and wigs. <laughs> and and uh, speaking of outrage, the NFL has changed its policy regarding player concussions. Mm-hmm. New policy on concussions. Under the new rules... After two concussions, you're not allowed to run for Senate. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. Yeah, here we go. Kicking off another week with a great Rocky Mountain mic. Yeah. Oh, look at that yo-yo. That's the way he does it. He sits and twitters on his toilet seat. This ain't working. That's the way he does it. Gets his money from Russians and his chicks who pee. Yeah, if this ain't working, that's the way he does it. His voters, let me tell you, them guys are dumb. Maybe got some misters with their little sisters. Maybe got some misters who are little bums. Obama spies with microwave ovens. We want to lock up that Hillary. 
schmooze these agitators. He got to schmooze these Nazis. Look at that. That's the way he does it. It's his money from Russians and his chicks who be. Chicks who be. Money from Russians. All right. Look at that. Look at that. Rocky Mountain Mike. Yeah. Rocky MNT and Mike on Twitter. <laughs> and the hits just keep on coming. Can't get enough of that one. Holy shit. Oh, so I, I called you Mr. 69 before. We had lots of <laughs> yeah. fun with that on Thursday and then again on Friday and then all, all throughout the weekend. Hey, look, Buzz just turned 69. Ha, 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 69. I, I, I was also Mr. 69 earlier in life, but that's another story. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. How was your How was your birthday weekend? How did oh, it go? How you did know it? what? I, it really was, and I'm happy to share this, the best birthday I think I've ever had. Outstanding. Uh, it started Friday night, uh, I, and I made a contribution of an item uh, to the uh, National Comedy Hall of Fame. Wow. Uh, I, uh, I was gifted many years ago with a letter that's typed and signed by W.C. Fields, uh, written to a fan named Betty. And uh, it was written on uh, Paramount Theater's Inc. stationery. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was framed and everything. And I, I got many years of enjoyment out of it. And uh, after I've done that for a while, I like to give it to somebody. And I discovered shortly after moving here seven years ago that the, the National Comedy Hall of Fame was located very near where I live. And I wanted to absolutely get there. I was very excited about this. Uh, but then, uh, I, then Trump happened. And so I was working all the time yeah. and, and, and then COVID happened. And so I really didn't go anywhere and this went on for years. And by the time the smoke cleared, uh, it had shut its doors. And the reason it did that is because it had been getting more donations from various estates of comedians who've passed. Mm -hmm. It had just gotten a large uh, amount of stuff from the Robin Williams estate that was going to be added to the museum, but there was no place to put it. May I suggest than, the basement of Mar-a-Lago? Yeah, that might be available. I don't know how many people will want to go there if you, if you put it there, but uh, they're, they're looking for a new location. At any rate, I contacted them to donate this this item, this W.C. Fields letter. I'm a huge fan and a bit of a Fields historian, and mm -hmm. And uh, they were very excited about it, and I find myself in uh, re uh, continuous uh, contact with the executive director of the National Comedy Hall it's of incredible. Fame. I never, I never envisioned a relationship like this, but we've become sort of friends. And and uh, he, he comped us, uh, my wife and I, a couple of tickets to the traveling show that they're doing in the meantime while the museum is closed, and uh, it includes some rare footage that people that is isn't available anywhere else. It's exclusive to this museum, but it is a, a nonprofit. It is the only really official. There is one other uh, comedy museum up north somewhere. I've forgotten where, Ohio perhaps. Uh, but this guy who runs the National Comedy Hall of Fame uh, has worked for Alan Freed Productions. He's been mm -hmm. a concert promoter. He's been affiliated with the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, this guy knows his stuff, and it's very exciting to meet somebody like this. And, and here's what's happening is I got on your show, and I started telling jokes. <laughs> and 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 then I hook up with the National. So what this is is I think I'm weaseling my way into the world of comedy. <laughs> That's 
right. I mean, you know, it's, uh, never mind all those people who worked all their lives to get to this point. Uh, you know, I found a couple of wormholes and uh, and, and, and have, have sneaked in. So uh, that's kind of fun and exciting. And then, but but there's more. And, and I get to spend time with friends. A wonderful breakfast uh, provided by friends the next morning. Uh, a, a dolphin cruise in which a dolphin actually stuck his head out of the water. I believe he was saying happy birthday. It was my best dolphin encounter ever. I'd never had one like that before. And so that was great. And then a great steak dinner that night and a great uh, birthday cake. Man, it was just, and with friends. I just spent all that time with friends. And mm -hmm. it, it was just the best, the best birthday. Thank, thank you for asking. But yeah, I, I will talk more perhaps in time over, about the National Comedy Hall of Fame. But it's, yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about that. I was surprised to learn that the National Comedy Hall of Fame was in Florida. And then I realized, oh, yes. well, that makes perfect sense because Florida <laughs> is the funniest state, isn't it? When I, I was, it yeah, I think so. It, it's a natural, you know, uh, when I was still in D.C. Uh, doing news and then I moved down here to continue the newscast. In D.C., I referred to, I got so many of my kicker stories at the end of the newscast <laughs> from Florida. And so I just began topping it, finally, from the home office in Florida because Florida became the home office of goofy stuff. And yeah. uh, there, there are reasons for that that, you know, I've talked about before and will again. But uh, then I moved to the home office and continued to do my news <laughs> and, and would still end with stories from the home office. So I've certainly done my share of... Uh of smearing the reputation of Florida, I suppose. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it does seem like a natural, and I want them to stay here so I can visit the place regularly. Excellent. So Thank you, Florida. So thank you to everyone who weighed in and wished yes, uh, Buzz a happy so birthday you, over the weekend. You guys constantly overwhelm me uh, with kindness. Whether it's good news or bad news, uh, you're there for me. And you have been consistently for many, many years now. I'm very yeah. much aware of that. And it's funny, what is I go down, I try to respond to everybody, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I, I haven't gotten everybody, but I got most everybody. And I, so I recognize so many of the names because I've seen those names now on social media for years and years and years and years. And I'm really touched by the people who've stayed with me that all that time. Right, indeed. So uh, I guess we need to dive in here and yeah, talk about Trump's, so much. Trump's confession. Speaking of Florida, speaking of Mar-a-Lago. Trump the actually, top story. Yeah, yeah. Confessed during his most recent rally like an idiot. This is yeah. a dare. He is daring the Department of Justice to indict him. And I do still believe... Uh, quite heavily, that the Department of Justice will do exactly that. Uh, here we go. This is uh, Trump's confession. I, I'm all at once shocked and not shocked at all <laughs> that right. he went and just said, hey, you know what? I did it. I did it. Now I dare you to come after me. Here he is. They don't get enough credit. By contrast, I had a small number of boxes in number. storage at Mar-a-Lago guarded by Secret Service and my people. And no, everybody. no. First of all, is the, the Secret Service doesn't guard documents. No. That's completely false. But of course, all of his sucker followers think that that's true. And so no matter what he says here, they're going to believe him while all the rest of us are going, huh? When you look at these other people, what they did, and the... He's he's okay, now he's talking about the other presidents, the other people. Right. That means uh, other presidents. Yeah. Bush, Obama, uh, Clinton. Yes. Right, right. I've got fact checks on all of those, but let's listen to the rest mm -hmm. of the sound here. FBI raided my home and violated my Fourth Amendment rights no. and many other rights. No. And under the Sox decision, this is a very important decision that was made. They call it the Sox decision because, again, <laughs> it had to do with Bill Clinton and his socks. No, no, that's totally wrong. That's absolutely 1,000% wrong. Of course it is. Bill Clinton didn't steal top-secret documents in his socks. 
There are millions of red hats running around the country right now going to work. They're alongside of yes. you in traffic on the highway. Uh, they're driving 2,000-pound bullets down the road, and they all believe that Bill Clinton left the White House with top-secret documents in his socks because that's what Donald Trump told them to believe. And the actual truth is, and we'll fact-check this right now, Buzz, this is an important one, it wasn't Bill Clinton at all. It was his former national security advisor, Sandy Berger. And it wasn't as Bill Clinton was leaving office either. It was when the 9-11 commission was being assembled. And so here's how the story goes. Bill Clinton's former national security advisor, Sandy Berger, pled guilty and admitted that he illegally sneaked top secret documents out of the National Archives. Berger's plea to a single misdemeanor uh, will end the Sox Docs probe that began in October 2003. The flap forced Berger to resign when National Archive staffers saw him sneaking out documents hidden in his clothes by some accounts in his socks. The flap forced Berger to resign as a policy advisor to Democratic presidential contender John Kerry. Uh, Berger admitted to removing 40 to 50 top secret documents, but claimed it was an honest, honest mistake made while he vetted Clinton era documents for the 9-11 commission probe. So he was in there vetting, getting ready for the 9-11 commission probe. It was for official work. Yeah. At least it had that going for it, unlike being stored in the basement of Mar-a-Lago. Right. He also acknowledged destroying some, but claimed it was accidental. And so that's the story there. Had nothing to do with Bill Clinton walking away with hundreds of top secret documents and stashing them at his country club in his desk and in his office closet and in his ridiculous basement and then lying to the FBI perpetually about it for a year and a half, getting his attorneys to lie to the FBI about it. I think you mentioned that George H.W. Bush uh, stored documents in a bowling alley slash Chinese restaurant. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Didn't mean to skip ahead. <laughs> yes. I've got a fact check on that one, too. Okay. But suffice right, to say, good. this is Sandy Berger three years after Bill Clinton left office. Right. <laughs> and that's when that all went down. It had nothing to do with Bill Clinton. There is no crime. You know, there is no crime. It's not a crime. Yes, it is. And... They should give me immediately back everything that they've taken from me because it's mine. There it it's is. not. It's not. It is there not it is. his. It is not his. Right. Yes, my first uh, reaction was, right, of course. It's mine, you understand? Mine. All mine. Get back in there. Down, down, down. Mm -hmm. Go, go, yeah. go. Mine, mine, mine. <laughs> He's like that second grade bully in the cafeteria who would run up and lick your sandwich and then claim that it was his. <laughs> right. Right. That's the kind of behavior he's exhibiting here. He believes that because he declassified these documents through some mysterious process of telekinesis, that they automatically then belong to him. That's crazy. And that's not how it works. You don't get to just walk out with stuff and say that it's yours when, in fact, it belongs to the federal government. The declassification process is, of course, important, but it doesn't matter that he didn't declassify the documents. What matters is that he claims to have declassified them when he really didn't. And then he believes that they're his. And so legally, he kept them. Yeah. Legally, he has admitted that he knew he had the documents. He, he could have used a defense that said, why, well, I, I didn't even know I had those things. Yep. And that would have greatly helped his case. But he admits right up front, yeah, I had them. I, yeah, you betcha I took those boxes. <laughs> and then goes on to say, and they're mine. 
Uh, no, this is it is a confession, especially his admission of uh, his knowledge that he mm-hmm. had the documents. There goes that defense. Yep. Uh, and and with the dare that you've laid out here, uh, there's no doubt that Merrick Garland will respond. We, I think, already know how Merrick Garland responds to dares. Mm-hmm. Every single legal expert I have heard from is, since this rally has said that, oh, yeah, that's absolutely a confession. He's absolutely daring Merrick Garland and the grand jury to indict him on these charges. And I, honest to God, believe that they're going to oblige. But the next right after the election. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you also mentioned George H.W. Bush and the allegations (laughs) that Donald Trump has made up about George H.W. Bush. And far be it for me to defend George H.W. Bush on these terms. But, you know, this is a. Huge whopper lie. George H.W. Bush did not take millions of documents, according to (laughs) CNN, to a former bowling alley and Chinese restaurant. Rather, the National Archives and Record Administration took Bush's presidential documents to this facility prior to the opening of the Bush Presidential Library in the same city. Trump's claims about Clinton and George W. Bush are inaccurate in precisely the same way. NARA, not the former presidents themselves, put the documents in temporary storage at narrow managed facilities at the former car dealership in Arkansas and a warehouse in Texas. And Trump was also wrong that there was quote, no security at the facility where the elder Bush's documents were housed. The facility was heavily secured according to news reports at the time by, by archives. That's how they do it. Archives make sure all of that stuff is secure. Always. That's right. Meantime, regarding Barack Obama, we've talked about these allegations already on the show. Show, but just uh, to repeat what we said before, the National Archives and Records Administration, and this is according to their own statement, this is a statement uh, from NARA itself, mm-hmm. administers the Barack Obama Presidential Library located in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. The mm-hmm. library holds records from the Obama Presidential Administration and is least controlled, managed, and used exclusively by NARA. The Obama Foundation, an independent entity, has never had control over the records in Hoffman Estates. All records in that facility are stored and managed by NARA in accordance with archival storage standards, and all classified records are, were stored in an appropriately secured compartment within the right. facility. NARA moved those records at the end of the Obama administration to the Hoffman Estates facility under the assumption that former President Obama and his foundation would be building and transferring to NARA a traditional physical presidential library in the Chicago area. When former President Obama decided that he would not build a physical NARA-operated presidential library, NARA transported the the classified records back to secure locations in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. The Obama Foundation provided NARA with funds to help convert convert the Hoffman Estates facility and to cover some of the expenses of moving the classified records. I think it was something like $3.3 million Obama gave to NARA. But the foundation has never had possession or control over the records. So that is another hunk of bullshit by Donald Trump. And no Mm -hmm. surprise, no surprise at all that Donald Trump's just making up crap. What always disturbs me is not necessarily the brazenness of the lie, but the willingness of the suckers to believe the lie. And that's the most distressing aspect of all. Yeah, of those people you describe driving to work in their two thousand pound bullets uh, yeah. <laughs> are also working alongside you. Exactly. That's what's terrifying about this is and that there's children. this yeah seventy four million suckers and rubes who are willing to believe the lies 
of a known con man who's been operating in New York City for decades with just this kind of behavior. It's not like suddenly he transformed on uh, whatever it was in June of 2015 when he hit the escalator. It's not like suddenly he became an asshole at that point in time. <laughs> He's always been a lying asshole. He's always been a con man. He's always shaved the corners off the rules. And in some cases, just completely steamrolled the rules, uh, especially Most in New, New York Most New Yorkers City. know that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is no mystery. It was reported for decades Decades and decades and decades. And just because people in, you know, the, the Midwest and the red states and so on don't know this doesn't mean that it's not true. They just, the they're, that, they're just drinking and, the sand. And since you mentioned that, we I always have to repeat the, the acknowledgement that uh, people in the Midwest ate it up thanks to People Magazine, thanks to NBC's Apprentice Program. Yeah. Uh, these are the things that, that made uh, people in Kansas go, oh, he's a good businessman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and people in New York, many people in New York, if not most, knew that already. Uh, but the media painted a, an entirely different picture of him for the rest of the country. That's right. But no amount of confession is going to make a bit of difference when it comes to his supporters. They're gone, and we don't expect them to say, hey, wait a minute, didn't he just confess right there? That's, well, not, where we're, that's not the expectation at all. But I've stopped making that a concern of mine for now. Yeah. Let them think whatever they're going to think because we can't change them anyway. What we have to do is what you said last week is minimalize them, uh, and, and we do that with our votes. We do that uh, with our votes and, and to some degree with the legal system, although mm. votes are far more important. Yeah. But uh, with this confession... Uh, the DOJ has no choice but to charge him, and uh, I'm sure they're waiting until after the election. Uh, that does bother me because he's still out there telling lies mm-hmm. uh, on the campaign trail yeah. uh, leading up to a very, very, very important election. And uh, I wish that were not the case. I wish that could be stopped. Yeah. Uh, but but apparently that will have to wait until after the midterm election. So once again, it's not up to the courts. It's not up to our government leaders. It's not up to the media. It's up to us. So apparently he kept the documents as leverage. That's what yes. we're hearing now. And that Black kind of... extortion, yes. Doesn't that conform to what I've been saying all along, that this is what of Donald course. Trump does? Everything is transactional. He does everything so that he can trade it or sell it in some way. Or, you know, there's always the possibility of the suicide switch, which is kind of related to what this is. He basically told the Justice Department, if you give me the incriminating stuff you have on me regarding Russia... I will give you these uh, top-secret documents that I mm-hmm. stole. That's right. So according to uh, Maggie Haberman of the New York Times, uh, Trump still determined to show he had been wronged by the FBI investigation into uh, his 2016 campaign's ties to Russia, was angry with the National Archives and Records Administration for its unwillingness to hand over a batch of sensitive documents that he thought proved his claims. In exchange for those documents, Mr. Trump told advisors, he would return to the National Archives the boxes of materials he had taken to Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah, he's extorting the National Archives, is what this is. I got this shit, and you better give me that other shit that I have imagined exists, and And you know what? If it did exist, why didn't he take that, too? Why didn't he take those Russia documents if he insists they exist? It's a good question. Because they don't exist. (laughs) Yeah. Or because they don't exist at all. I mean, what he Uh thinks is that the National Archives has some sort of evidence of the Russia hoax. Russia, Russia, Russia. 
This could just be based on paranoia. Yes, it's entirely based on paranoia. So he keeps these documents, and I'm sure this is just one dimension of it. There's probably many other layers to why he decided to keep these, or to steal these documents. I think we need to use that term. But the fact is that he wanted to trade them because he thought these other documents existed, and of course, the federal government doesn't operate that way. The National Archives doesn't operate that way. They don't succumb to extortion. So there it is, once again, just like he did with uh, Zelensky in Ukraine, you know, holding the missiles until he announced some form of investigation into Burisma and Hunter Biden. There's another case exactly like that. Everything that Donald Trump does is really easy to forecast because he does the same thing over and over again. Yeah, stick with what works, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's easy to see it coming down Main Street because it's the same thing that we've seen in previous episodes and previous crimes, which, by the way, he could still be indicted for the Zelensky thing, for the impeachment-worthy uh, extortion of Ukraine. 500 crimes. Yes. There are 500 crimes he could be prosecuted It's for. just absolutely incredible. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, you're going you're gonna to mention Christina Bob, uh, by the way? She's cooperating with DOJ now, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, well, I don't know that she's cooperating. I'm sure she, the Justice Department, uh, she, I guess, requested her presence for an interview. Yeah. And she did comply with that. She mm -hmm. was interviewed by DOJ yesterday. You know that she refused to answer any questions that she felt would violate attorney-client privilege, but you also know that they have some very uh, clever, talented investigators at DOJ who know what questions to ask and how to ask them and in what order and what to look for in terms of an answer or non-answer. Uh, just the fact that she was there cannot be good for Trump. She, uh, it appears, if you study the paperwork closely, that she managed to avoid committing a crime uh and, and i don't recall the exact wording detail but she she kind of uh, included some language that allowed her to weasel out of it she swore that this was true to the best of her knowledge or words to that effect mm. which gives her an out uh and throws the uh the lying back onto her client donald trump lying to the fbi is a big fucking deal and i hope through this process we find out that Donald Trump is the one who put her up to it, who gave her the false information and asked her to well, pass that along to the FBI. It's, it's been a long time coming, but things are skidding along now at a pretty good rate. Uh, you have yeah. uh, Trump's confession. You have Christina Bob being questioned by DOJ yesterday. You have Cassidy Hutchinson, who testified freely for the J6 committee, uh, now agreeing to uh, be interviewed by the Georgia District Attorney, Fannie Willis, who's investigating Trump's interference in that state's election results. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, things are piling up and at a pretty good clip. And then, of course, on Thursday of this week, what could be uh, what apparently is the final uh, J6 committee hearing. And I I'm expecting fireworks. I'm expecting high drama. I I'm expecting a lot of it. This is this is kind of their last chance to make a closing argument, especially before the election. Uh, and, and I can only hope that uh, word gets out about what they reveal uh, and determine in that hearing. Yes, I'm looking forward to Thursday when the hearings will be taking place right as we're recording the show. Exactly. Why don't exactly. they consult with me about this shit? <laughs> Why don't they talk to me, at least give me a heads up and say, hey, look, you know, we're thinking about like 1.30, exactly when you normally start the show. Is that okay? Is that a good <laughs> right, time to right, start the hearings? Right. And yeah. I would say, no! 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 
then I would throw and, my computer and, right and, through the window. And here's here's my theory as to why it's on in the daytime as opposed to prime time. Yeah. It's the new fall season on the networks, <laughs> and they're 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 yeah. they're trying to get some momentum for their shows uh, after everybody's been gone for the summer. Yep. And uh, you know, the, so the committee knew that networks were not going to give up that time willingly. The committee is probably just glad they got on TV at all uh, <laughs> with this last hearing. Yeah. Uh, and and getting on at one p.m. was probably the only way it was going to happen. You know what? I'm still hoping that, and the numbers seem to be moving in this direction, that the Democrats will retain the House, and maybe that will afford them the opportunity to continue this investigation after yeah. the new Congress begins in January. So well, <laughs> fingers crossed. As, as I was posting uh, yesterday, uh, this is not just a close election, and it yeah. is close. It's a, it's so close that, that pollsters, uh, pollsters have even tried, and, and I hear people complaining about pollsters, and you know, I, you're right, but you're not right because I think a lot of people don't understand the science uh, that goes into uh, the, the the math and the psychology uh, and, and the, the the sort of sampling research that goes into uh, putting together polls and many of which are quite reliable mm. uh, they they know uh, the pollsters know that they screwed up last time and that uh, Trump voters are not cooperative with poll takers and so they've they've tried to factor that in they've tried to you know not disregard that and that's part of the science that's part of uh, you know trying to trying to determine how the vote's going to go it's it's been neck and neck it's so close those pollsters have thrown up their hands and said, uh, we can't do it. It's yeah. too close to call. And and it's not just that it's so close. It's that the lead keeps changing back and forth. Democrat, mm -hmm. Republican, Republican, Democrat, Democrat. And, and so this thing's teetering back and forth as we're, what, now 28 days from Election Day? Yes, I was noticing the generic ballot poll on Real Clear Politics. Mm -hmm. And right now, the Republicans lead... And if you look at the chart, it's like, oh, God, why are they leading? And it looks like they're rising fast. And then you realize, oh, okay, the difference is only 0.9% <laughs> between the Republicans it, and Democrats. So the chart is a little mis misleading uh, if you follow yeah, RCP. A, a, a visual graph can be misleading if yeah, you're talking yeah. about if the top number is one and there's a spike that goes all the way up to the top uh -huh. and it's only one, yeah. then it's not as big of a spike as the graph makes it appear. Exactly. And at the same time, if you notice, the Democratic numbers are climbing steadily. There's a steady rise of Democrats on the generic ballot, whereas the Republican side of that graph is super erratic. Huge spike, then a gigantic drop, and then a huge little spike, and then another drop, and then a huge spike. It's just, it's all over the place. It's like the stock market under Donald Trump after he started his stupid fucking trade war. That's exactly what the Republicans look like on the generic ballot. So I'm much more enthused and excited about the steady rise of the Democratic Party on that chart. And so that's all good. And in some cases, they have led. The Democrats have led on the generic ballot. And needless to say, when we're talking about polling, we're talking about margins of error, three, four percentage points. A 0.9% lead is nothing. And we're talking about right. national uh, polling. Right. We're not talking about district by district polling, um, which I think if you go district district by district, it is as you said, it is like wafer thin the the margin here, and so there, it's too close to call. You're talking about that steady increase. I think there are a couple of behind the scenes forces 
that we don't think about. They're there, but I don't think we've acknowledged them. Yeah. One of them's in plain sight. Well, they're actually, they're all in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- one of the helpers uh, is Joe Biden, who knows how to play Donald Trump. And yeah. I just want to read you a clip from a Washington, excuse me, New York Times article. Uh, Doug Mills writes, and this is, I think this will help all of us. He's writing of Biden. He doesn't try to command the country's attention day after day, unlike Trump. And that's left space for Trump and the Supreme Court and a slew of sketchy Republican candidates to make themselves the story and remind Democrats of what's at stake at 2022. Well, that goes to some of the things I've been saying before, which is every piece of evil that we hear each day out of Republicans, I think, inspires Democratic voters even more to go crush that shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but to finish, just to finish this, this clip from Doug Mills, he writes, I'm too burned by recent polling misses to take a decent Democratic year as certain. Republican victories in both the House and Senate won't surprise me in the least, but it's worth noting, he says, at this point in 2010, Republicans were much more enthusiastic about voting than Democrats. At this point in 2018, Democrats were more enthusiastic about voting than Republicans. The fact that Trump is so noisy and that Biden is so generally quiet uh, is working to the Democratic voters' advantage. And I'll add to that that Barack Obama is working uh, very brilliantly behind the scenes. You won't see him out m- endorsing many candidates. He will do a few, but he, he's doing other kinds of work behind the scenes that uh, are helping us in ways that are not obvious to the naked eye. That's right. So early voting is already underway. Mail-in voting is already underway in many states. Uh, what did I say? How many days are we out from the 28? election? 27, 27, 28? In these very close polls, what we've learned is that rep- uh, that that people who plan to vote Republican are doing so because of their fear of crime. This is mm-hmm. a false fear that's been jerked up by the, by the Republicans uh, to, for this very purpose because the Republicans have run out of ammunition. The only thing they have left now is this made-up crime issue, which they bring up to, close to every election. This happens every single time when they've run out of ammunition and it's getting close to the election, the Republicans pull out crime. Uh, and I, I snipped an article from uh, the, the Washington Post, rather, from E.J. Dion, uh, who writes... Um, The voters are responsive, he writes, to Democratic arguments that stress both accountability for those who commit crimes and prevention, including tougher gun laws and support for mental health and substance abuse treatment programs. These are the very, and I'll add to that, these are the very programs Republicans oppose. Democrats are the ones who demand accountability for people who break the law. Democrats are the ones who want to try to prevent crime with tougher gun laws and support for mental health and drug treatment programs. Republicans, uh, the research found, are highly vulnerable to arguments about crime prevention, particularly on guns. The case Democrats need to make against the GOP, says Dion, is they're doing nothing to actually prevent crime from happening in the first place. They're cutting programs that help people with mental health or drug problems. Mm -hmm. They're flooding communities with guns and making it easier for people who commit crimes to get guns. That's the crime party, the Republican Party. So in the days we have left, our friends listening to the show and your friends, let it be known that Democrats are the strong party on crime. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and tell them why. And it has to do in two words with accountability and prevention. And if you can remember that, you can beat down any Republican argument about Democrats being the crime party. Exactly. The other question you want to ask, too, is you're confronted by someone who's still, for some reason, on the fence with this election and crime is their thing. Name one national Democrat 
who has said defund the police. Name one. I bet you can't. I'm talking about a member of the Senate. I'm talking about a member of the House. I'm talking to someone from the White House, including the president himself. Name one national Democratic leader who said defund the police. None. It never has happened and never will happen. The other thing that I want to add to this is Correct. name the Republicans, national Republicans, whether Senate, House, uh, what have you, who have said, you know what, we need to defund the FBI. You know, the national police, the national police force. We need to defund the Department of Justice. You know, this is coming from Ted Cruz, members of the United, other members of the United States Senate from the Republican Party, members of the House of Representatives, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, the usual freaks from the Rodeo Clown Caucus. They're actually saying it out loud, defund the police is what they're saying. And that's Republicans beating down accountability again. Yeah. So that's we we that's we have them there. Uh, the Democrats are the ones who demand that people be held accountable for the crimes they commit. The Democrats are the ones who propose and work for the prevention programs, be it guns, drugs, mental health, whatever. Uh, Republicans do not. Uh, Republicans mm-hmm. have no policy for that other than to destruct. Their only policy is to defund the police, uh, namely the FBI and DOJ. All right. Well, more to come here, including... We were talking about how Donald Trump is daring the Department of Justice to indict him for the espionage situation. Well, at the same time, he's daring the Department of Justice to indict him for January 6th. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Plus, bye-bye, Tulsi. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. She's gone now. We'll talk about that coming up here. Plus, uh, Tim Ryan destroyed J.D. Vance in last night's debate. Uh, In the meantime, so welcome to brand new Patreon subscribers, Mike Trippy. Heather Sweeney, Michael Connery, and Paula Thompson. Thank you so much for signing up on the big Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. It is absolutely the best way to support this show. And if you're pissed off at cable news, other very serious political analysts these days, the print press, uh, the television media, whatever it is, Here's a great way to support independent news media, specifically this podcast. For just five bucks per month, you can support our Patreon page as we guide you through the madness and chaos of our politics. But it's not just about supporting shows like this one. You're also going to get bonus content as a reward for your monthly support. That's why you should sign up. We're talking about exclusive access to our Shadow Docket show recorded after the end credits on our Tuesday and Thursday shows. You can also get access to the Patreon app where you can download the free show and our bonus content. Plus, you can join the Discussion with our community of Patreon members in the comments under each episode. All that for $5 per month, just pennies per show. Don't miss out. Again, it's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it. Send it to all your friends. And we thank you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska! All-time favorite! 
Oh, yeah, this is uh, Pacific Standard covering uh, Stuck in the Middle here. PacificStandardMusic.com to support this band. I love this. I love this cover. Very uh, faithful. Yeah, Friday we were talking about uh, a story from the, uh, I forget which entertainment website, but acclaimed horror director, legendary horror director Wes Craven was talking about how he can't watch, oh, actually, you know what? I'm mixing up my stories. I was mixing that up with John Carpenter. There was another story about Wes Craven and how he walked out of a screening of Reservoir Dogs, which wow. features this song in one of the most terrifying scenes in the entire movie. And horror legend Wes Craven had to walk out. We're talking about the uh, the ear scene. If you've seen Reservoir Dogs, you know the ear scene. I, I didn't make it that far. I'm told I need to give it another try, but I... Uh, I had to bail after a few minutes. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. After a few minutes, like just a couple of minutes into the beginning of the movie? Yeah, I wasn't, wasn't far into it. No, not at all. <laughs> wow. Not a Tarantino fan, are you? Well, no, I, I am actually. I, I like a number of his films, uh, and I, I'm told I need to give it another try, but I, I have trouble with certain things. I see, yeah. Well, I have trouble with scenes of torture, <laughs> so this yeah, is why yeah. we were talking about it uh, on the after party on Friday, uh, about how, you know what, it's a great movie, uh, but I can't watch it because of that scene with the ear. And I'm not going to go into the details, but that song, Thank Stuck you. in the Middle, plays during it. And so I always pair those two things together now. You would think, oh, because, oh, Bob, you watched all those seasons of Grace and Frankie where that was actually the theme song. Uh, it doesn't matter. I still I still associate <laughs> with that horrible torture scene, ah, you know, with the ear. Well, and I was vindicated, I felt, because Wes Craven couldn't make it through. And Wes Craven's seen some things in his day on film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. And, uh, and there was another story, and this is how I got them all mixed up. There was another story, uh, I think it was John Carpenter, Acclaimed horror director John Carpenter was talking about the movie Hostel and how he can't deal with scenes of torture in the movie Hostel. And so I was like, wow, I've been heard. <laughs> these horror directors kind of agree with me. How all it's kind these of, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all these guys have things they're afraid of. Uh, somebody mm. once asked Rod Serling of Twilight Zone fame, what, what terrifies you? Yeah. And he said, meeting my doppelganger. Because <laughs> he had always... He had always heard that if he met his do if you meet your doppelganger, you'll die. Really? Now I don't know what that means. Does that mean both of them die because they've both met their <laughs> doppelganger? I don't know. I don't know how that works. But That's that was a good that question. was yeah. That was his that was his great fear. Amazing. Yeah. He was, amazing. He was a genius. All as right. Well. All right. Well, if you see someone who looks just like you, run, run as fast run. as you can, run away, run away. So uh, Donald Trump also dared the Department of Justice to indict him for January 6th by saying the other day, you know the biggest crowd I've ever seen? Mm -hmm. January 6th. That was 1,000% a troll of the Department of Justice and the January 6th committee. But you know what? He needs to stick around. Wait until he sees the crowd that gathers to mock him and jeer at him when he's uh, doing the perp walk after he's been I indicted. Yeah. I really wonder, you know, will there be celebrations? Will there be dancing in the streets? Uh, I think it would be appropriate. I think so. I, I know I'll be dancing in the streets, and that's a dangerous <laughs> prospect because if you've ever seen me dancing, <laughs> all elbows and knees, that's what I am. I mean, everyone makes fun of Stephanie Miller's dancing. I'm much 
more rigid and awkward when I'm dancing. You got to imagine a six foot four man dancing. It's not a pretty sight. But I well, will I be know. dancing. Buddy I'll be Epson throwing. Did it pretty well. But... <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll be throwing caution to the window and dancing as soon as Donald Trump's indicted. Good, good. You should. We all should. But it won't be out of surprise because I, I know that he no. will be indicted. Just bear that in mind. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. Right. I still see progressives posting a uh, traitor Garland. You know, I mean, they, they they still refuse to believe what's already in motion. Yes, because, you know, Merrick Garland spends all his time doom scrolling Twitter. Uh, oh, my right. God. Did you see those tweets? <laughs> they were really they s- getting mad at me because I haven't indicted yet. I better do something <laughs> about that quick because Twitter's angry. Oh, God, what am I going to do? <laughs> no, that's not happening. That's, I'm, I assure you. That's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried that uh, our that many of our fellow progressives uh, don't believe in the system that will bring down that you've just uh, agreed that will bring down Donald Trump. Yeah, you know what? To an extent, I understand their angst about this. Yes, of course, I say that all the time. Yes, because there are many, many things that Donald Trump has not been indicted for that Donald Trump is not even being investigated for. The, uh, the certainly the second impeachment with regard to the big lie and the insurrection, that's being investigated. That's being uh, pushed through Department of Justice and the grand jury and so on. What's not being investigated is the first impeachment for, as we were talking about before, with Zelensky yeah, and Ukraine and Burisma and the 2020 election. That was all meant to interfere in the 2020 election. That was a big, that was an election theft scam is what that was. Right. And then you go prior to that and mm. Trump's incompetent reaction to COVID or his utter lack of reaction. He had no criminal reaction neg- to COVID. Criminal negligence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you start there and you work your way back and there are so many things that will never make their way through the legal system in this country because what Donald Trump has figured out, and this is not news to anybody, it's the same with the media strategy uh, circulating Donald Trump, which is that you just flood the zone and the system can't handle all the things. Commit enough crimes and they can't get you for all of them. Exactly right. It's like one of those old radio contests where there's a glass booth and there's $1,000 in free cash whooshing around in the glass booth and you try to grab all the dollar bills you can, but you're not going to grab all of them (laughs) because the system isn't equipped. You don't have enough arms to grab all $1,000 in free cash, everybody. But uh, suffice to say, you grab a few. You grab what you can in the 60 seconds that you have. I think we were hoping that there would be maybe more things, but, you know, we're going to have to take a couple of dozen things. That's not how you judge the Justice Department or Merrick Garland. That's Uh, right. You can't get everything. And and I knew that. I I can see that early on, that that he was going in so many different directions that there was no way they were going to be able to, uh, which crimes are we going to to Mm -hmm. nail him for? Which one will do him in? Uh, You know, it's still kind of a coin toss, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, finally, on the Donald Trump front, federal investigators have asked multiple witnesses if they knew whether Donald Trump has stashed any highly sensitive government documents at Trump Tower in Manhattan or at his private club in Bedminster, New Jersey. And the answer is, oh my God, yes, he has. 
He absolutely has. They've already determined that there are more missing documents that Donald Trump has had that are unaccounted for. So clearly if, he's stashed them at these other locations. If, if anything surprised and disappointed me about the Justice Department is that they didn't raid all those places at I once. Know, I know. But you know what? Uh, we, we have something to look forward to then. <laughs> On top well, of the indictment. Another except, pre-dawn you know, raid. stuff's been moved and destroyed yeah. since then. Some of the stuff will never be recovered. Yeah, exactly. Well, meantime, we have to say uh, goodbye to Tulsi Gabbard. I I thought she left so, the Democratic Party a long time ago. See ya. Well, she did in spirit, certainly. I didn't realize that she was still how, part of it. Yeah. And how can we miss her if she won't go away? <laughs> I know. Well, listen to this. This is like, I, I want to say Glenn Greenwald wrote the script for this. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds like something Glenn Greenwald would say. It sounds like something that would come directly from the RNC or from the Tucker Carlson show. She's been saying this on Tucker Carlson for a while now. She was talking like this in the Democratic primary debates. Yeah, definitely. Here's Tulsi Gabbard with the big announcement. Oh, God. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers <laughs> who are driven by cowardly wokeness. We're giving money to help Ukraine as it's being invaded, as its sovereignty is being trampled by a despotic uh, totalitarian government in Moscow. And, oh, yes, we're because of that, we're yes. warmongers. Right? We're warmongers yes. and also cowards. Joe Biden pulled us out of Afghanistan to all kinds of garment rending from people like Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, my God, what a disaster that we have left Afghanistan. But, no, no, it's, the, it's Joe Biden, the Democrats. There's such warmongers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For the first time in God knows how long, because of... Joe Biden and the Democrats, we are not engaged firsthand in a war. In a hot war, we do not have troops on the ground fighting a war against an enemy. That's not happening. America, America's longest war is over thanks to warmonger Joe Biden. That's right. So, few things to say about that. Let's continue with Tulsi Gabbard. Who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism who actively work to undermine <sighs> our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution. Who are what? hostile to people of faith yeah. and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect. The, you know what they're hostile to? They're hostile to religious zealots who impose yes. their dogma on a secular society to the point of saying what, who you're allowed to marry, what you're allowed to be as a person, how you're able to control your own body and healthcare decisions. That's where we get a little prickly about this a Jesus thing. As a progressive who's not religious, uh, I, I, you know, I'm fine with your views for yourself. If, yeah. if that's the faith you want to follow, I will respect that. I, I will not speak ill of that. I will only speak ill of your trying to impose those rules on me. You may live by those rules if you wish, but you have no standing to impose those rules on me. That's right. And and uh, they try that a lot. In fact, uh, they've been trying it for centuries. Yeah, yeah. The religious conservative movement, the Christian right, has for decades been cherry-picking the Bible, cherry-picking their faith to form oppressive laws at, in a secular government. And that's where we all go, hey, hang on a second there with this right. bullshit. They, I mean, there was a guy on television saying, hey, you know, Jesus was a real dick. You know, liberals like to say that Jesus was full of charity and healing and forgiveness. No, he was an asshole. And that's the, he, he was my kind of asshole. 
I was like, what, what, the, what, what are you talking about? What is that even? And no one who understands, you know, the New Testament of the Bible would ever fucking agree with that nonsense, that ridiculousness. E- evangelical Christians apparently don't see themselves in a mirror holding hands with Jesus, holding one hand with Jesus and holding Herschel Walker with the other hand. That's right. Holding holding hands with Jesus on the right and holding hands with Donald Trump on the left. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't do both. Uh, and, and they refuse to see that. They don't make that connection to them. Uh, Herschel Walker is a, a good Christian man, and Donald Trump may be God. Yep. And in particular, the thing that's pissing me off right now with regard to religious hypocrisy is the Herschel Walker story, which we'll get into uh, possibly mm-hmm. here before we wrap up the show. Maybe something in the Shadow Dog. But yeah, this is, I, I've talked about it a lot. So we don't, it's, if we miss it this week or we miss it today, not a big deal. The fact of the matter is, though, that it blows all kinds of holes in this religious absolutism when it comes to abortion. So after all, it is okay, ultimately, for Christian Republicans, Christian anti-choice Republicans, to make exceptions when it comes to abortion. In this case, an exception to save the political life of the father. Exactly. uh, Best sign. The, the, The best sign carried in the Women's March on Saturday was... If we become Herschel Walker's girlfriend, can we have an abortion? (laughs) Right. But that shows that this whole thing about life beginning at conception and that Mm -hmm. fetus is a human being and and abortion is murdering that fetus, and it's all because of Jesus in the Bible and blah, 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 blah. Make sure that we have that as secular law in this country. Hey, here's here's some some news from just before the show today, in fact. Uh, The United States Supreme Court, who recently that recently struck down Roe v. Wade uh, has was presented a case in which they were asked to rule that a fetus has constitutional rights. Wow. They rejected the case. The Supreme Court rejected the case. Now they may be they may be aware that all eyes are upon them uh, and all doubts are upon them. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, that, but they decided that was a bridge too far. Today, the Supreme Court, yes, that one refused to hear a case claiming that a fetus has constitutional rights. So is this a case that was already ruled on by the appeals court? Is this an uh, appeals court uh, decision? Or I, is it I, no don't, or I don't yes? know. I don't, I don't know if it was brought directly to the court. I haven't, I haven't read the details. It happened just before we went on the air. But uh, they were presented with this case, whether it came to the appeals court or taken directly to the Supreme Court. And uh, this is a, certainly a right-wing thing. I mean, uh, you were just talking about the fact that Republicans, if elected, if, if they gain all power, significant power, substantial power, uh, that they will uh, declare life begins at conception and uh, they thereby outlaw all abortion everywhere forever. And if, if you know, that, that this is, the court is was given an opportunity to do it ahead of the legislature, ahead of the Congress, and uh, they chose not to do so. Fascinating. All right. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to reading more about that because Indeed. if, so, if it's true, I. that's a, a huge step in the right direction. Because, I mean, the concern has always been the Supreme Court's going to say, yes, life does begin at conception and therefore, uh, you know, fetuses have constitutional rights. Right. And in that case, the asterisk next to that statement is uh, fetus has constitutional rights. That supersedes the constitutional rights of the uh, people carrying those fetuses inside of them. Right. So, yeah, that's an important decision. So we'll we'll get more of that as, uh, as the Indeed. days roll on. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was surprising and a huge relief. Okay, so... 
God, I'm like Captain Tangent today. We're in the middle of this Tulsi Gabbard tape. So here's here's more of Tulsi Gabbard's goodbye cruel world statement. She's still here? <laughs> yeah. Criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national no. security state to go after their political opponents. No. And a okay, couple of strikes there. <laughs> couple of strikes there. You know, just because you're the ex-president doesn't mean you get to commit crimes with no uh, accountability. And under the umbrella excuse, well, if you hold me accountable, you're just going after your political opponents, weaponizing. And the other uh -huh. thing is, the w word weaponizing. Okay, we need to start striking that from our arguments because <laughs> the you know it's, it's they're, overused they're, at this point. Too much use of the word weaponizing. They're weaponizing the word weaponizing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Oh, now, no. I believe in a government. That's of the people. Yeah, because Vladimir Putin, who's a good friend of Tulsi Gabbard, who, uh -huh. you know, is a good friend of Donald Trump and Don Jr. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. the Republican Party just adores him and just mm -hmm. wraps their arms and legs around Putin's uh, pant leg and just humps Canada. away. Yeah, what we want, what the Talk Democrats want is for Putin to nuke Ukraine. That's exactly what the because that's we're all about Putin. We're all about, you know, enabling Putin's whimsy. God damn it. The the suckerism in this country is off the charts. Yeah, I think I said that last week. It, it doesn't scare me so much anymore when I hear these people speak. What scares me are all the people who believe them. Yes. By the people and for the people. Bob. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, today's Democratic <laughs> Party does not. Instead, it here? stands for a government that is of, <laughs> by, and for the powerful elite. I thought you were leaving. <laughs> Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. No. Yeah, yeah. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party... Okay, that's where I stop. I, can, I yeah. can no longer stomach the speech. Yeah, but. she had to use woke. She might as well say the N-word in there mm -hmm. because that's what that mm -hmm. means. Woke is the N-word in Republican parlance. And so there it is, Tulsi Gabbard invoking woke in her little bye-bye speech. You know, we know that racism is out there, and we know that it's more out there now thanks to Donald Trump uh, and the, the rise of the, of the extreme right over the last few years. Mm -hmm. But it's still shocking to me. I saw a video from Harrison, Arkansas. A young man stood in front of a, a right-wing Christian billboard holding up a sign that said, Black Lives Matter. And then he recorded the responses of the people who drove and walked by. Oh, I saw that. And the use of the N-word was rampant. It yeah. it. It's, like I said, on one hand, you may feel you don't need to be reminded that racists are out there, but you, you, you're you really struck by how deep it is when you see something yeah, like that. Yeah. When you see average-looking citizen after average-looking citizen, one after the other, using the N-word, using uh, terrible slurs, uh, saying awful things about, yeah. about black people and anybody who supports their rights mm -hmm. uh it's just it, it it's it's crushing to see the level and now it the the young man did say harrison arkansas is the most racist town in the united states wow. and he may very well be right about that uh but it, it just shows you how much of it is out there and how deeply it is implanted in these people and how passionate they are about their racism 
You know what happened? You know what changed when Donald Trump descended that escalator and started talking about the, you know, Mexicans oh. sending rapists and all the Mexicans well, are rapists or whatever the fuck he was saying. Besides everything, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. here's what happened. Here's what changed at that point in time. Prior to that, most, I'm talking in most circumstances, our issues with Republicans, with conservatives, had to do with differences of, of opinion on right. politics. Policy. Policy mm -hmm. and politics, right? Right. What changed since Trump appeared on the scene is, you know, obviously, it... Culture. Uh, yeah, it's, it was a springboard off of some of the cultural things that have been happening on AM talk radio and so on, and the fringes right. of the debate. Well, the fringes as soon as Trump appeared, became mainstream. And In the what Republican it, Party. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And what that exposed is that, you know, all the people that we know, I, it was a big discussion about this on Twitter, the people who we know who were Republicans all along, who we disagreed with on politics, and right. quite honestly, we, we were right most of the time on politics. Of course. On policy, obviously. But what this exposed, what the appearance of Trump exposed in those people is a darkness, an ugliness, the racism, the, the people driving by, mm -hmm. screaming the N-word and all the rest of it. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard invoking the word woke in the context of this uh, goodbye cruel world speech. You know, this is the, the darkness that has consumed 74 million voters in this country. And Indeed. that's what's changed. That's the difference. It was politics then. Now it's this cultural rage against black people, right. against trans people, against women. You just go down the list of all the things. And now it's like, oh, well, Trump's on the scene, so we can go back to screaming the N-word. We can, you know, we, we should be entitled to tell rape jokes in our stand-up act or whatever the fuck, however it manifests itself. Bad character, generally speaking. Things that we were taught as children that, you know, you're not supposed to behave that way in a society. Not supposed to do those things in a society. Mathematics is the study of numbers. Yeah. Uh, ends in TIC, mathematics, TIC. Mm -hmm. uh, politics is the study of and the discussion of policy. It is not politics to talk about Donald Trump. When you're talking about Donald Trump, it's not a political discussion. It's a discussion of culture and crime. Yeah. Anything we say about Trump has to do with those things. Uh, not not policy. It's not, we disagree with Trump's policies, but far more than that, uh, superseding that uh, are what he has to say about the culture and uh, how he feels about committing crime. All right, we're going to take one last break here, come back and talk about Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance and last night's debate. Tim Ryan hitting all kinds of home runs, and I hope, God, I hope to God, that this debate has triggered some people to start contributing to uh, Tim Ryan's campaign because it is, and, it's and, neck and neck out there in Ohio. And his amazing ads, his political ads, yeah. a brilliant, brilliant approach. Uh, this guy, it's a, what you're about to hear when we come back is about a hero versus a zero. Absolutely. Okay, more show right after these words. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Bob Seska plays more music. This is really good stuff. This is brand new to the show. This is Mr. Grossman, the name of this recording artist. Here I sit, see my face, take me away. Yeah, there's a song called Any Takers. I'm so hesitant to talk over it because love these vocals. Yeah, from Northern California, Mr. Grossman. MrGrossman.bandcamp.com is the link. Find it in the description under this episode at bobseska.com. All you got to do is, uh, to find the episode, they're all dated. This one's dated 10 11 22. And uh, just click that link. Scroll on down, and all the links for the music in today's show are right there. So you can support all these bands. Get these, uh, get these records in your record collection now. Nice. All right. Uh, BobSuska.com slash music to submit. And as we're doing here on the show, I'll play both of the songs that we played here, uh, or previewed at least. I'll be playing them uh, in full length at the end of the free show. All right. Getting back into things here. Tim Ryan destroyed J.D. Vance in last night's debate. Multiple times. Yeah. And J.D. Vance just left just dumbfounded. Just standing there <laughs> looking like, I don't know. You know what J.D. Vance looks like? J.D. Vance looks like those uh, foosball men, but with a beard. <laughs> the, the little, if you take a good look at the foosball, the little, uh, uh, yeah, I know the, the little figures on, the on a yeah. foosball table. Anyway, <laughs> J.D. Vance looks like that. Here's Tim Ryan destroying foosball man. Right. Who says that the president of the United States is intentionally trying to kill people with fentanyl? Who says that the election was stolen? J.D. Vance does. Who runs around with Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who wants to ban books? You're running around with Lindsey Graham, who wants a national abortion ban. You're running around with Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's the absolute looniest politician in America. This is a dangerous group, and we do need to confront it. And that's why I'm running to represent the exhausted majority, mm -hmm. Democrats, Republicans, and independents against the extremists. We are going to... Yeah. That's the, I, he uh, knows what he's part. doing. Yeah, and his uh, his 
his ads also have a bipartisan appeal mm-hmm. uh, as well, and they're they're amazing ads. And he did an amazing job in this debate. I've <laughs> known for a long time how sharp Tim Ryan is. I'm glad to see him performing so well on the campaign trail. And uh, again, very uh, another race that's too close to call. Yep. Uh, surprisingly, JD Vance had come up in the polls, uh, but we'll see. I I feel very good about Tim Ryan's chances, and I feel even better if a bunch of us contribute to his campaign because uh, it might just take a little bit more to push him over the top. Yeah, and I think one thing that's going to work with swing voters in Ohio is coupling the Republican Party, coupling JD Vance with the extremists. Which he's, yes. which he's one of. I mean, let's make no mistake here. Oh, of he, he, he might not be as loony as Marjorie Taylor Greene, but J.D. Vance in the United States Senate would absolutely bar, be part of the uh, Rodeo Clown Caucus. Uh, but by the way, sure. if, you, if, if you had to choose between Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, and Louis Gohmert, you know, uh, there are the three stooges there, and it's hard to tell who's the dumbest. Uh, of the bunch. Who's the wackiest or looniest <laughs> of the bunch? And, well, the other thing about uh, J.D. Vance, too, that I want to throw in, even though this is not going to make a bit of difference to Ohio voters, which is that J.D. Vance is one of the kinds of people I've been describing as uh, political tourists. People who get into politics, just say, oh, oh, look, I'll just I'll run for office because I'm a little bit famous. He, he, <laughs> yeah, he has no policy experience, no, no government experience. No. He's, uh, he, he's... Yeah, he's faking his way into it. Yeah. He's, he, he's found a wormhole. Yes, indeed. So that's another case where it's just it, it's someone who is getting into politics who has no business being out there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> As uh, what uh, Clint Howard likes to say in Paranoid, he has no business being out there. Please know your lane, stay in your lane, and if you get into political leadership, start at city council and work your way up maybe. But right. other than that, don't feel like oh. you can you know, birth yourself on third base and be yeah. any sort of reputable leader. It's horseshit. And, and, and before we get out of the big show, I hope to talk about mayoral races and other down-ballot races uh, and, and some tips I've found, and you know, I, I think it'll be very helpful. Okay, sounds good. Well, here's another clip of uh, Tim yes. Ryan destroy, destroying J.D. Vance last night. Like just a few weeks ago in, in Youngstown, on the stage, uh, Donald Trump said to mm. J.D. Vance, all you do is kiss my ass to get my support. He said that. That's bad. Because that means J.D. Vance is going to do whatever he wants. Mitch McConnell's given him $40 million. He's going to do what he wants. And Peter Thiel gave him a $15 million. He's going to do what he wants. And here's the thing that's most troubling about this lack of courage is that after Trump took J.D. Vance's dignity from him ah, on the stage in Youngstown, perfect. J.D. Vance got back up on stage and said, start shaking his hand, take a picture, saying, hey, aren't we having a great time here tonight? I don't know anybody I grew up with. I don't know anybody I went to high school with that would allow somebody to take their dignity like that and then get back up on stage. We need leaders who have courage to take on their own party. And I've proven that. And he was called an ass kisser by the former president. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, He also, uh, Ryan also said, I'm not going to be an ass kisser. Kisser, I'm going to be an ass kicker. Yeah, I thought that was that pretty was good. A, a great line, and, and, a, and a line that would be easy to fuck up if he wasn't careful. Yes, yes, so, yes. Yeah. By the way, I just noticed here, JD Vance is 38 years old. He was born in 1984. 
He wow. wasn't even around when Return of the Jedi came out. <laughs> that's, I, and that is, of course, how you measure things. That's yeah. my yardstick for appropriate <laughs> political leadership, is they have to be alive when Return of the Jedi came gotcha. out. But 38 years old, he can't possibly be 14 years younger than me. You know what? I, I think it comes down to republicanism, conservatism, modern conservatism maybe, just destroys your physical appearance like like being a Sith. Speaking of Return of the Jedi, it's like, you know, you, when, once you embrace the dark side, it works away at your physical appearance and starts to dis yes. disintegrate oh. you in some look way. Look at Trump, look at Steve Bannon, look yeah. at Alex Jones. Kelly they, and Conway, yeah. They're not, yeah, they're, not, they're all not well. <laughs> J.D. Vance looks at least as old as I am. Yes. And I yet agree. he's 14 years younger than me. And and, and you, you mentioned the great example of Alex Jones. That's the one right. that's completely baffling. Watch out. Don't touch that third rail. Don't become a Sith. It's going to wear away your physical appearance, make it look like J.D. Vance or Alex Jones. Disgusting. Or uh, Stephen Miller, for that matter. <laughs> Talk yeah, about someone who's one. withered away because of his Rick politics. Rick Scott. Rick Scott. Yeah, know. Rick Scott. Oh, my God. Rick Scott, who looks like he's had the, the one ring in a cave for the last 2,000 years. <laughs> All right, let's see what else here. Oh, you you know what? You wanted to mention something about down-ballot races. I think that's an yeah. appropriate thing. We talked uh, uh, with Gabby Goldstein, who, by the way, is going to be coming back to the show right before the election to talk about down-ballot races one more time Good. before people uh, enter the polling places, start to uh, cast their ballots. And so I'm looking forward to that. Of course, G Gabby Goldstein is from Sister District, which focuses uh, money and attention on state and local races. So important. So you had, have you voted already? Is that? I have. I haven't uh, submitted my ballot, but okay. I have it completely filled out. And All right. I, I think people can relate to this. And I, I'm making it my mission in these last 30 days to do everything I can to inspire Democrats and independents to vote because yeah. uh, uh, I'm worried about some folks staying home. and and Or I'm worried also about people not voting down ballot. I have the Florida ballot in front of me here. The first page is choose Democrats or Republicans. And it's, you know, Val Demings over Marco Rubio, Charlie Crist over Ron DeSantis, and on down the line. These are all the partisan races for state senator and state's attorney and all those kinds of things. And you get to the second page. Now, justices of the Supreme Court, you got uh, three, four, five, five candidates. So let's say you have a state Supreme Court justices on your ballot and you look at it like I did and you go, huh? Because we know nothing about these folks. Well, uh, you can, I, I started with a Google search and I said, uh, uh, Sup Florida Supreme Court race 2022 or words to that effect. And one of the results that came up, well, you get uh, newspaper links uh, and they make uh, endorsements. Uh, but I also found Ballotpedia. Ballotpedia is a very reliable website. Yes, one of my favorites. And, uh, and uh, they don't give you, you know, they'll say on there that this person in the little bios that come with these folks, it'll say nonpartisan. Here's what you look for. Uh, you look for who appointed them, mm -hmm. who, which governor of your state appointed this person. That's a good start. Here in Florida, we've had, uh, believe it or not, uh, three Democratic governors in recent times. And uh, we had Lawton Childs. We had uh, Charlie Crist, who may have been a Republican at the time, but I still trust him uh and and uh, we had uh i'm forgetting someone else but uh, the the point is you can see who appointed them uh, the the judges who were appointed by ron DeSantis instantly get a no vote from me yeah if they were appointed by governor rick scott 
that's another. They were they got a no vote. If they were appointed by, say, Jeb Bush, who made these appointments before the insane times, who made these appointments before the world went crazy, uh, Jeb's enough of a team player, and you can read their qualifications, the judges' qualifications. And you, know, you know what? He picked a good person here. He did pick a nonpartisan. Folks. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how you can decide these races that you'd otherwise have no clue about. And the same goes for I've got uh, at least that many District Court of Appeal judges to vote on. I found out which ones to vote for or against uh, thanks to uh, recommendations from and endorsements from the Orlando Sun Sentinel. This is a case where I live in the Tampa area, uh, and although the Tampa paper didn't have my answers when I wanted them, uh, the Orlando paper did. Another big paper in your state. So if, if it doesn't even have to be in your town, if you can find another big paper in your state online, it will have endorsements for offices. So uh, these are tips like, like I said, I'm like everybody else. You, you get to this page of judges and you just don't know what to do. Yeah. And so a lot of people do nothing. Don't do that because these are the folks who are going to shape our lives. These are the folks who mm -hmm. are really going to make the difference on the ground. And the same with, with county judges. I was able to get constitutional amendments that are on the ballot. Uh, checked with the League of Women Voters on that. Checked with the Tampa Bay Times on that. These are the things you can do. And it doesn't take very long. It's not hard. You spend time online all the time. Spend 15 minutes doing this research and you will be very confident about the ballot you cast. And this is important because, uh, and state legislative offices, and Bob's talked about this before, uh, could make all the difference because there is a case before the United States Supreme Court that could give these state uh, legislatures absolute power over mm -hmm. federal elections. And so you don't want to elect people who are election deniers. And this is also very easy to research. But it, it's hugely important for people to vote down ballot and to make the right choices because these are the things that are shaping our lives. There's a, a sort of a two-layer down ballot coup underway and it's yeah. our job to stop the coup and the two parts of the coup are the supreme court plus republican legislatures that's why republicans cannot be allowed to control legislative power. Well, that's what the Republicans have been doing for uh, a bunch yes. of decades now. Right. Uh, maybe right. for the and, last and, 50, 60 years, which is focusing we on this. Yeah. While we as Democrats weren't paying attention. Yeah, exactly right. Where we were focused more on the giant home runs, the big national right. races. Right. And that's where right. we focus our attention. And there's a lot of things to say about that as far as being beneficial. Obviously, that's been good. Last time the Republicans won the popular vote at the presidential level was 2004 when J.D. Vance was 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but regardless, the fact is that, uh, I, I don't know if you mentioned this as one of your sources, but the county or state Democratic Party website yes, will very yes. likely have a sample ballot with examples in terms of uh, what you can expect on your particular ballot in your particular precinct and who they recommend you vote for, generally speaking. Obviously, there's some wiggle room there in terms of your personal preference, but it's very easy to find that. It's much, it's much better to go to one of those resources and find the recommendations and just base your vote on those recommendations than it is to just not vote in those down-ballot right. races, which, which, which is, is a mistake. Most of, this is what I want to emphasize. I stare as 
blankly at that part of the ballot as you do. And in like 20 minutes, I was able to find all the answers to all of my questions and to fill out my ballot with confidence. If you don't have a mail-in ballot, if you have to go or you choose to go to the polls, you can use the same research to make a list of uh, notes, uh, a list that you can take into the booth with you uh, to to help you remember who it was you were voting for and who you were voting against. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard and it's so important. And that's the message I just want everybody to get today. Yes, absolutely. And that's, yeah, God, it's the one thing that we've been asleep at the switch about. We have. Uh, Yeah, down ballot raises. Let's change that this year. Again, it's not just that the election is close. It's that it keeps teetering back and forth. We have to push it over the top. And we have really now, as Bob said, 27 days to do it. All of the state and local elections, that's where the most horrible shit is getting passed. School boards, man. School boards, Jack. <laughs> yeah, school boards, Jack. People carry yeah. your luggage up to the hotel rooms. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't mean to put anybody's job down. <laughs> We're talking about an Elvis tape. That, Little uh, Elvis for you. Yeah. yeah. This is one of the best Elvis tapes ever. Where he talks about <laughs> ripping your tongue out by the roots. And then he says, thank you very much. Um, yeah. So, let's see what's coming up on the Shadow Docket on our yes, Patreon what? page. Yeah. Fox News is trolling Joe Biden with leaked audio of a voicemail he left for Hunter Uh-oh. Biden, which I don't know how that's going to work for Fox News. Seems this to me is worth... It, yeah. This is worth signing up for Patreon for because you want to hear this tape and the one I think we're going to follow it with uh, because uh, this is what Fox is up to and it's it's awful and uh, Patreon members get to hear it in a minute. Absolutely. We're going to play this. I think this is one of the things that will actually end up helping Joe Biden in the long run. Yeah, good. Because I know a lot of sons who probably have never received a phone call like this from their dad. And mm-hmm. so uh, it, it'll be, you know, you know what? I, I got to be honest. I was hesitate, hesitating whether to play it because it is so dark and personal and, uh, I don't know, but in, it's intimate. Also, yeah. It's also so warm and compassionate yeah. and necessary in light of what's being said about it. Exactly. So, uh, some other Joe Biden news, too. Big jobs report out Friday. We'll talk about that a little bit. We covered that on the Friday after party, but it bears repeating. Uh, and huh, Matt Walsh, Children's Hospital News. Coming up here. Oh, no. More of that. Yeah. And this is not great news. No, it's dangerous. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Obviously, very, very dangerous. But it looks like someone's already caved on this. Matt Walsh has a little bit of victory that he's achieved in this jihad against trans people, against Children's Hospital. We'll talk about that, too. $5 a month at patreon.com slash Show or just bobseskashow.com. Either one will get you there. Sign up for $5 a month. You get the Shadow Docket every Tuesday and Thursday. Don't miss out. We'll see you over there, folks. Take care. Bye-bye.
makes no sense at all. Just followed like 
Are there any takers? 